imagine if there was a home game this weekend, the amount of like vitriol that would be out there, you know? Well, it's like we talk a lot on this podcast about like, how are they going to get people back? Like, what do you have to do? And it's like, they need to start with the people they have now. That's really, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 7th. Virginia coming off a 34-17 victory over Richmond on Saturday. The Cavaliers will take their um, <laughs> their undefeated season on the road Saturday afternoon uh, to Illinois uh, in a game that we will no doubt discuss later on. Um I just want to say say publicly that I was like, yeah, let's just, you know, what we'll do is we'll talk Richmond and then we'll talk Illinois and Dave laughed at me. So it's fine. It's fine. It's, everything's fine. We're fine. How are you? Anyway, uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, the aforementioned uh, David Spence is in Fisherville, our uh, podcast, not podcast, our message board uh, moderator du jour. How's it going, man? Pretty good. I stepped out of line to get a water so I could do the podcast, but... Um. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cracked myself up. So, <laughs> cut now. Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter? That was really like, good. So, I guess you'll be ready to start recording in like 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. wow! Come, come back to Ooh. me. Yeah, that was very well done, Dave. You said you were going to make uh, make a joke. I didn't know that's what it was. That was well done. Um, in Charlottesville, uh, editor in chief Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. I will also be taking my undefeated season uh, on the road this weekend, as I am one and zero in the prop bets. Lavelle Davis touchdown. Let's go. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Yeah, but don't I get some uh, Cavs corner also Cavs underscore corner? Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and occasional witty banter. Don't I get something in some sort of perpetuity for being like you know? You that's get to just like you get to just stare and like you know look proud on the side. Do, do like the the dude it's from? Not the, uh, it's not like you get a big. <laughs> like, like, I my the, points. Lavelle hadn't even gotten back to the bench yet, and Ferber's like, "I won the prop bet." <laughs> well, somebody told me. I didn't even realize. Somebody that's tapped great. me. And was like, "You just didn't you have that?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did." Oh man, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> that's really good. I mean, that's what we're all. That's what we're all there for, right? Yeah. Um, that's fine. I like. I, I like that the the prop bets were. Central in your mind, Ferber. I appreciate that about you. All right. Speaking of um, things that happened on Saturday, uh, Virginia 34-17 over Richmond. Feels like that the margin should have been uh, a little greater, uh, which we will discuss momentarily. Cavaliers um, put up 500 yards of total offense against the Spiders, 246 through the air, 259 on the ground, uh, six penalties. Um, they were 7-12 on third down. Defense held Richmond to 5 of 14 and 0 and 2 on fourth. Cavaliers ran 75 plays, averaged 6.7 per. I mean, I feel like in the, I don't know, this is like the Doritos of uh, 
of season openers, right? Where it's like, did they do a lot of stuff they were supposed to? It was fine, right? Was it ter- It was it bad in spots? Yeah, but it was fine. Um, it never really got close. It's fine. Like you know, dur- you know, Doritos are fine. You know, it's just it's fine. It was fine. Um, now that you've had some some time to process everything you saw, um, once you were able to you know get food and drink again, um, and you once you know you're able to rewatch it, Dave, how how does Saturday's um, outcome and and sort of the 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 small things, small details. How does it all s- sort of sit with you now? Um, definitely set better after the rewatch than it did post game. Um, maybe that was a dehydration, but like, look, it's things never look the same on the rewatch. Um, you know, as they do live, but look, Virginia did what they had to do. They, they won a game. Um, you know, we, we were, we were there when, when Bronco did not. Uh, and I thought they, at any point, UVA just could have opened up the passing game, I thought, and kind of run away. But clearly, like, this is game one, um, not only for the season, but for Tony Elliott. And I thought him and Dez did a good job of sticking to the run, even when, you know, it looked like at times Virginia could get anything they wanted in the passing game, um, especially when they passed in what Richmond was assuming were rundowns. And I thought it was good they stuck to their guns and, like, this is how we're going to how we're going to be. Um, I found myself thinking in the rewatch, like this is a game if, you know, if last year's team had played this Richmond team, they probably would have put 50 on the board because they would have just passed all over them, um, which would have made that game a little less, you know, even though it didn't get close, there was a moment there where Richmond had the ball to make it interesting. Um, I don't think it would have been as interesting with last year's offensive scheme, but I don't think that scheme can win you games against tougher opponents. So, um, offensively, I was fine. Defensively, I was really nervous about the what we saw with the gash runs up the middle live, but seeing what happened on the replay, I think it's a fixable issue. Um, it's not a talent or scheme issue. It was alignment and assignment mistakes. So those things happen. You know, I think it's also you, you have to consider like, you know, when you're going through fall camp and that grind and you're getting ready for week one, um, you, you can say it doesn't matter, and this is no slight to Richmond, but if you've got a Richmond on your schedule game one versus, you know, a Southern Cal or someone, you're going to prepare a little bit differently. Your focus is going to be a little bit different. So, uh, you know, I thought Virginia focused when they need to, kind of put the game away and then kind of struggled to come in the second half. Um, all good teaching points as they hit on the road this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like in fervor – I want you to chime in on this. Like, I feel like Dave's point about the, the way it looked on the rewatch and sort of the run fits. And, um, it it definitely felt like to me live, like they just, they just weren't necessarily all on the same page. And it certainly felt that way for sure. Um, on the rewatch. I think the thing was different for me, Dave, is that yeah, last year's team would have put 50 on them, but they probably would have given up 35. Right. And, and I think that's the difference is that like, I actually was really, I really appreciated the fact that Tony and, and company, um, you know, kind of stuck to their script, um, but they didn't get rattled when it got a little, um, a little bit meh in the second half. I, I think that the fact that they wanted to run the ball, that they continued to run the ball, um, the fact that, that, you know, they actually out, you know, they had 259 yards on the ground, 246 through the air. Like that, when's the last time that happened? Right. 
Um, now I understand that the whole like two running back, two backs over or two players over 100 yards on the ground is a little bit inflated because Armstrong ran for 64 on one of them. But still, I mean to to do I thought they were just very very fairly consistent. And frankly, like I kind of thought it was good, a good sign that they didn't feel like they needed to break out a lot of stuff against Richmond. They felt like they could win the game and be pretty vanilla in a lot of ways on both sides of the ball. Ferber, what was what was your sort of vibe? Pretty much the same as what you guys said. Um, there's a lot that I still don't know about this team just because of the opponent. And, and I think the schemes, I think on both sides of the ball were a little bit vanilla, more so on the defensive side. Um, you know, the getting after the quarterback piece, they didn't really, we didn't see a lot of that, but they didn't really go all out against Richmond. Um, so I'm expecting them to, you know, dial some different things up against Illinois, but, um, and we'll get a better idea of where they are there. You're right about the run fits. I think that that's a correctable, you know, just assignment miss issue. And and I think Ahern getting back in there kind of made things a little bit cleaner. Um, on offense, the pass blocking was pretty good in the first half. In the second half, I felt like it was a little sketchy when Richmond started blitzing a little bit more. Guys started running free. Um, I kind of saw the same thing that Tony Elliott hit, hint at, hinted at in his uh, press conference. Uh, some of the issues with, with uh, pressure came from missed blocks from the running backs and stuff too, not just the linemen. So got to clean that up. Um, one of the things I was encouraged about is a lot of the stuff that I was kind of like, huh, that looks you know, like it could use some work or I'm not sure how that's going to be. Right. Were things that were highlighted by Elliot after the, uh, you know, after the game in the press conference or, or later. Um, I did feel like he, they kind of maybe made it a little bit tougher on themselves by not trying to score at the end of the first half. Um, no guarantee that you're going to get points, but if you had, I think the game is probably in hand a little bit quicker. Um, the drops seem to be cleaned up, the turnovers, all that stuff, but we're going to find out a lot more about this team against a much better opponent. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of hard to like take something from that and say like, Oh, this team's not as good as I thought they were because of something that happened in this game, because it felt to me like a coaching staff that was like, we can, we can score when we need to, we kind of have this game in hand for most of the way got a little dicey there for a minute in the third quarter, but um, they kind of played like a staff that was like just trying to do different scenarios and then maybe get ready for Illinois. Yeah. I definitely got the sense watching it sort of unfold that um, they were, they were more than happy to sort of be vanilla until they didn't, they needed not to be. Um, I thought it was sort of fascinating too, that, you know, the Paris Jones touchdown sounds like he, (laughs) You know, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Um, you know, they knew they could get something off of that play, but I don't think they expected him to run a wheel, right? Yeah, he was just um, supposed to be in the flat, which still would have been a touchdown, I think. Right, which probably, you know, very, very, very likely, right? But I just thought it was interesting that, like, um, considering the the nightmare that was this matchup in Broncos' first game, to have something like that sort of happen in your favor, I thought was an interesting sort of development. I thought I thought Tony and his folks they never felt to me even even you know even making the decision they made at the end of the first half you you, you didn't get the sense they like really blundered it more so than they just had a different yeah, it was a different philosophy. It right. wasn't like a Mike London clock management situation. Like yeah, exactly. Kind of describing yeah. it I think it's it was yeah. more like they just decided to play it just kind of get into yeah. halftime. And I mean, look after after what happened several years ago with Bronco and his uh, his opener against Richmond, um, I was very glad to see UVA sort of um, come out the way that they did in that first half. I also wonder. I mean, listen. I mean, we're we're all we're all like 
um, mindful of the differences here between um, programs and levels and all. I, I just I, I've always been thought I've always wondered like for guys who play in a game like this and they 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 sort of were as they weren't necessarily like hitting on all cylinders or anything, but they were clearly they were going to win the game, right? They were the better team in that first half. I always wondered, you know, you see a lot of these little mistakes here and there. And until I think one of the things that, that I took away from the Bronco era is that the idea of um, that, that little things matter more when they, when you look at them consistently. Right. And that, that, that sort of like winning is a habit that being successful is a habit. And you sort of have to expect that you're just going to do these things and, and, and you have to continue to do them in order to be used to doing them. And I just, what I saw was a team that like, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of these guys are the same as they were last year. And I understand that, um, you know, a lot of these dudes came back to have better seasons than they had in 2021. But what I saw was really just a group that's still trying to figure itself out, still trying to sort of um, get comfortable, if that makes any sense. Um, I think some of the newness has rattled a little bit of sort of like the the experience bump, if you will, right? Like they, I think teams tend to to get a bump from guys having been through a lot of this and a lot of that. Um, you, I think you give up some of that when you change systems and you've got different voices in your ear and you've got sort of different expectations on you because of sort of who you were as opposed to, hey, this is the way we do things and we're continuing to do them. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, you guys have mentioned it already, you know, curious to see what they look like in week two. Um, I, I think going to Illinois, playing a more physical team is a perfect sort of challenge for them at this point, because I honestly, if they played another Richmond, I think, you know, you could see a sort of similar result where things are going fine. Like I said, it's just fine. Everything's fine. And then there's just like, there's no, there's no real, like, um, there's no reason to keep your foot on the, on the, the on stakes the floor. aren't high. Yeah, exactly. And when you don't have that, I think that's I think maybe one of the things that I think after the game it got overblown. But I do think that in in hearing Tony sort of explain sort of why he would rather have done something differently at the end of the half, I do think that that if you look at sort of the message that it could potentially send, I don't know for sure that that's what happened. I don't know if guys were like, well, coach didn't want to push the pedal to the floor so you know i'm gonna go out here and drop this pass right i don't think that's how it works yeah i don't think that's what it is but I think I, it was more like a combination of like focus and factors I, yeah, exactly and i think that one of the things that you know you you got to do at the end of the half there if you're virginia is you've got to be mindful that you are getting the ball in the second half we 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 always think of that as like being this advantage right like oh it doesn't matter what you do this time so you can kind of go all out but you know you don't want to give somebody a little bit of hope and he and it sounded like from his post game comments he felt like the team had sort of like uh, kind of put itself in a rough spot and he wanted to fix some of that before they start going out there taking some chances um what i, I think find, honestly the like, looking at it after the fact is why it looked i mean i was kind of in the moment like i'm kind of surprised they didn't try to score but that's the way i was too the thing is the thing is like when you look at it later it looks a lot worse because it's like there's no i mean i honestly if i was him i wouldn't have anticipated it either but you're thinking like all right we're up 28 to 10 we have this game pretty comfortably in hand we're gonna get the ball to start the second half he he didn't anticipate them having back-to-back turnovers yeah. start the second half and that's what made it look worse but like that what are the chances of that happening like five percent maybe exactly richmond yeah and it just worked out that way and but i mean that's a good lesson for him to be like you need to be you need to take that into consideration and the thing that kind of 
I disliked about it the most was that it's like this is a game where you can get your backups in early if you get up 42 to 10. Like, get it over with and get those guys out of the game. Yeah, um, agree. And, and I didn't feel like they took that approach, and I think he kind of walked that back on Tuesday, which I think is encouraging because I don't know if the last staff would have walked that kind of thing back. Yeah. The key in that moment is to be more about, like, what's present in the actual moment as opposed to what you're expecting it to be, right? There's this, you know, it's like um, – you know, the idea of maybe like, yeah, in that situation, like, yeah, maybe you're going to be fine and maybe you're, you're going to keep put you're, you're going to keep putting points on the board. But at the same time, maybe you won't. Right. Like maybe you're going to have a second half where you do turn the ball over twice in a row and you actually could have really used that other touchdown to to not just put some more distance because the second half isn't going to be as good. But also because, you know, you needed to get your guys out of the game. You needed to get, you know, crush the the, the will of the um, of the upset bid and all that fun stuff. Right. Um I just, I gotta be honest, like, after the debacle that was the end of the Virginia Tech game, having a coach come out and say, like, yeah, I, I, I wish I had done this differently was, was kind of refreshing. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but. I've never um, heard that from a UVA football coach in my life. Like, just have a guy say, like, yeah, I you mean, know, I wish I had done that differently. point along the way, but, like, not consistently. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. George Walsh would that do was, that kind of but he, that was like his stick. Like he did that about everything. We were terrible yeah. here. We were terrible there. Well, I, you know what, Dave? You know what though? I, I honestly, I think that it's even more meaningful because it wasn't that right. Like it wasn't like the players messed it up. Ex- it was exactly. It wasn't like coaches oh, no, sometimes do this Same thing a lot <laughs> where only. they like say like, yeah, we you know we made so many mistakes out there today. I'm not asking you to. I'm not asking you to say to to to, to as a coach to like speak to whether or not you did or did not perform well, right? What I thought was interesting was like his his willingness to just say, "Hey, look, I I, I made the wrong decision there. I really should have done this differently." Um, and it, every coach does that kind of stuff. Like you don't think Nick Saban's done something like that? Yeah, exactly. He, I just like, thought it was, did the wrong thing, and then right. was like, "Ah, crap! Like I should have went for it or gone for two or whatever." You know, like, like it happens. You just have to be able to like learn from it and move on, just like players. I'm just remember what did Broncos say at the about the end of the first half against Virginia Tech. Remember when they they had forced Virginia Tech into a fourth down with like three minutes left, and they rushed, they went after the punter. I I believe he blamed the player, which, I mean, whatever. I'm not trying to relitigate that, but I think he was like, hey, don't hit the punter, and then he did. So, you know. That's what I recall, too. So, but yeah. 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 My whole point of bringing that up is like, look, in the moment, I was kind of okay with not putting the foot on the gas there because they were on their own third, you know, on, um, they're on 34. So a minute 28 left. It was hot. You know, it was, it's not the hottest game I've been to, but it's one of them. It was very warm. Um, and they'd had success. Like, you know, the downside to going for it, press, you know, pressing the pedal is a pick six there. You're like, well, what are you doing? Just get the half. Like, you know, there's never a perfect, a perfect answer. Yeah. People, when um, they, when they do this, they'd always exclude the negative outcome. Yeah. So, so like me, I, you know, Justin and I were discussing the stands. Like, I mean, I was, I was okay with it just because uh, everything had gone pretty well the last four draws leading up to that. And, um, you know, if, if Wakes doesn't get hit, kind of make an extra play there, maybe they score in that first drive and we're not having this discussion. Yeah. And, and also, like, I think that was my take too, was like, I felt like they could score when they needed to. So I was like, why not just go do it now? Like and just get it over with um, yeah. and be up 35, 10 with the ball and just call it a day. Um, but I mean, like at the end of the day, these are like, these are not the decisions that 
I don't think they have the ramifications that people think they do. Correct. So, yeah. Because I like I guarantee you, if it was seventeen to ten, they wouldn't have just gone into halftime. Like I right. can almost guarantee you that. Right. <laughs> like they would have tried to score the, some points. And I mean, and the reality too is that like in a situation like that where you're a coach and you're looking at your team and you know you're going to get the ball back anyway, right? That drive in and of itself is is somewhat gravy. Now I understand the the idea that um, you're never really sure what you're going to get, so it's better to to do what you can while you can. I'm not I'm not arguing that, but I'm just saying that like he wasn't necessarily wrong just because he he didn't put the 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 pedal to the floor right. That in and of itself didn't make him wrong. And like Ferber saying, it's like that that is not going to you know it's not going to to do what a, a lot of folks out there might think it's going to do. But I I think that the I think, and I mean, I don't mean to be getting super real about this, but like one of the things that was so frustrating about the Bronco era was he talked about earn, not given and all this stuff. And then they would go out there and make these just totally ridiculous calls on things. And then in the post game, you would just never see any sort of like reaper. You know what I mean? Like nobody seemed to like take ownership of it. It was just like a thing. Or that not happened. even like a, not even like a, you know what? Like it, I just called the wrong play there. I should have called something else. Right. Which is like, that's not even like taking that much ownership. Right. Just exactly. Kind of being like, eh, it didn't work out. You know, I think it does. I think it in the bigger picture, it does speak. To, it, it, I think it speaks to your kids differently. If you're up there saying to you, saying to the world, like, Hey, I, I wish I'd done this differently. Yeah. Um, and to add to that, you know, there were two touchdowns that coach Elliott said were busted plays basically. You know, Brennan wasn't supposed to keep the ball on his 64-yard touchdown run. He was supposed right. to hand it off. Right. <laughs> but he, he missed the handoff, so he just followed the back. Um, and then, obviously, Paris Jones, you know, flare, which became a will route. Um, and, you know, in his coach's show, when he had Paris on with him, you know, he told Paris, we're not going to do that again, right? That's not how we do things. <laughs> and also, like, I feel like a coach saying that is kind of like, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this because some coaches are just more candid than others. But, like, I feel like a, like a lot of other coaches would just take credit for the touchdown. They absolutely would have. And just be yeah. like, great call by me. You know, like <laughs> like on the on the Brennan play or whatever. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, when, it was um, the right, right play at the right time. And the team's sitting there like, uh, that wasn't the call. Like, what? I was honestly a little bit more concerned. Uh, like game management stuff about like the substitution issues they had the substitution um, issues. Yeah. I want to get to that yeah. because that was an interesting sort of um, an interesting, that was a learning glimpse. moment too. Yeah, for sure. for sure. Because they, they actually, it looked like to me and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. It looked like to me, they subbed twice. They right. They ran somebody yes. on, which made Tony think that they were good to go. And that's why he didn't call timeout. And then they ran somebody else on late. And then the Richmond quarterback sees it. He's like, Hey, come on, come on, come on. And they snapped the ball. Um, you know, and the other one, one was the Richmond. Richmond didn't substitute, and UVA like went ahead and substituted, which you can do, but they don't have to stop play. Right. And that it, was just that's like a that's like a hey, it's your first game as a head coach moment, and it wasn't I, even his fault really. Yeah, like, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean. That like, was one of those like the operation. You know, it was and like I his thought, defensive staff decided to make a change, and then he was like, "Why did you do that? They didn't sub." That's why correct. he was getting pissed on the sideline. Right. He was, and he was definitely hot. He was definitely hot. I I, I don't I I'm not. I'm not going to draw but so many parallels to what happened for Virginia Tech against ODU, but I really thought that one of the things, I mean, you know, I'm going to call the spade a spade. I'm glad that you brought that up, though. Uh, okay. we, we, we did work it in, right? Yeah we, yeah, we did. So, listen, I'm not saying that after watching Brent Pry, I was like, um, what if this doesn't go well for Tony Elliott? But I'm not saying I wasn't not thinking, you know what I mean? Like, there, because he, out, look, Maybe somebody else has a different opinion. I thought the dude looked in like he was in way over his head. There were times in that game where you could tell he was a coordinator who was not used to having to worry about the whole operation. And granted, 
uh, in terms of the adversity that, that UVA faced on Saturday, it was not anywhere remotely the same thing, right? They're playing at home and they're not playing on the road, you know, da 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 da. So apples and oranges, right? But I just, I just thought that like, yeah, there were a couple of spots where you could tell the thing was, you know, oh, this is a brand new car, right? But you weren't necessarily worried that the car's engine was going to fall out, right? And look, maybe Tech beats BC and it's and everything's all hunky-dory. But, I mean, they could be 0-2 in 72 hours. And, um, I mean, more power to them. But I just thought that, that those couple plays, those couple, you know, situations, I, I think really show that like, you know, this whole thing, when you bring a bunch of new dudes together um, and you ask them to do things in the heat of the moment, you know, the, the live bullets and all that stuff, like um, mistakes happen. Um, you want to clean them up. And I think in some ways you're, you're probably glad that, you know, that the kids also had that experience because that's one of those situations too, where you want to, you want to see growth and you want to see sort of um, um, identification, right? You, you want to see them looking at things and, figuring out how to fix and um, I don't know. I just, I, I think the fact that yeah. these guys are, are willing to sort of say, Hey, we, we messed that up. We should have done this differently. It, I think it helps the message when you give it to players like, Hey, you messed this up. You need to do it differently. If he's willing to say that to everybody about himself and instead of like today's point, instead of just taking credit for plays that just sort of worked out, uh, I think that, I think that's a really good sign. Yeah. I mean, one thing I liked with the substitution issue, you know, I didn't like the issue, but um, Tony like got pretty heated at at Coach Rudd about it. Um, in his direction, at least I'll put it that yeah, way. I mean, he was yelling directly um, at him. I don't yeah, know if he was yelling at him, but I yeah, think he, but it, it was like in a, that direction. Hey, you guys are screwing this up. Situation. Yeah, <laughs> which is good to see, given you know, um, <laughs> a, a previous staff's um, relationship between one particular coordinator and the coach. Um, you know, it's good to say hey, if you make a mistake, I'm going to yell at you regardless, but. Uh, yeah, I think that was a little thing. And if anything, that's probably a good thing that happened week one. It'll keep them a little sharper. Um, they'll work on that. I think I told you guys, you know, if they're still trying to figure out all that stuff, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see another coach in the booth. I don't know if Rudd will go in, Rudd will go in the booth, and I don't know where he, he coached at when he was at Air Force because I forgot to look. Um, you know, usually, like, guys, defensive coordinators, you want to see the whole field. But, I mean, like, he knows better than I do what he wants to see, you know. So, like, yeah, we were marking But I think you game, might like, need another coach up there because that Richmond substitution issue would maybe doesn't happen if somebody catches it. It's like, hey, they yeah. didn't sub, guys. Like, don't sub. So like, I think they had Slade and Downing up there, right? Slade and sent him. He sent him. So, yeah, they had Downing basically working with and Des Kitchen the guys on the, the booth. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't be surprised to see that switch up um, this weekend. But one interesting thing, just totally random, um, like Rudd watches the game from like deep, like mm, <laughs> on the offensive side of the like, ball. Yeah, way behind one side which of is the ball. Or, yeah. Way different than any coordinator I've ever seen. So kind of watching in mind. It's angle. easier uh, to see, I, I think, it. from like, it's easier to see like what's going on from like behind or in front. Cause I see a lot of like offensive coordinators do that where they like yeah. stand behind the play so that they can see the whole offense. But usually the defensive coordinator is on the defensive side looking back. Like, it's weird. He was yeah. looking through the offense. Um, hey, whatever worked. Which is right? interesting. It worked okay. So for the record, they only gave up 17 points. <laughs> for the record, at least as of the game notes that came out this week, uh, Kitchen, Slade, and Centum still are the only coaches, at least in the game notes, listed as in the booth. Um, for I actually saw something kind of interesting in the Illinois game notes was that they had only one assistant coach that hadn't done one or the other through two games or something crazy like that. Interesting. So, so like every coach around. on their staff has either been in the booth or on the field already, except for one guy. Um, and I was like, that's weird. It's also like a weird game note. 
thing. Like I was kind of like, why is this in there? Um, yeah. I mean, before we, I mean, I don't, I don't want to steer the podcast here, but yeah, I think it's important overall. Um, just getting back to what we saw the defense and look, there's a lot of players on this defense around last year. So this is not a slight of them, but the defense seemed more competent. I agree um, with that. I, I, I wasn't I think that's scared. A very, yeah. Like even on the gas runs, I was like, Oh, someone made a mistake. Um, but they didn't give up any super long pass plays. And after last year, I'll take that, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, Dolphin yeah, Char- I felt like... played a good game. Um, you know, the safeties were there. Sanker looks like he could be something like watching that dude fly around from, you know, down and behind the goalpost. Um, and then the defensive line, even though they didn't put up great stats, I like the rotation, especially liked what, you know, um, Akira brought off the, off the bench. Um, and there's definitely some depth there. There might not be, a single elite player, but I think they're all very good, um, good to very good. And if you can rotate them and still get production, that helps the team as the season goes on. Yeah, yeah I'm going to, like, hold my judgment on the defense until I see what they do this week. Agreed. Um, That's fair. Just because, like, I, 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 well, I mean, we saw that defense last year shut out two teams. And I, don't, I think, like, I think they did a nice job against the Richmond team that might be pretty good. Like they didn't really throw the ball much, like for much success at all. And I think that was by design, like, you know, eliminating those big plays. So we didn't see them get too aggressive, like up front. And I think this week will be a big difference there. Um, I'm just not quite there yet where I'm like, I want to see them like perform against some like power five level players. Oh, no, I'm I get like, it. Like, this is a, um, before I get to I'm that, but they did. But the one thing fixed. I will say is that Hang their on. tackling felt like it was much better to me without looking at like the yeah. PFF data. It felt like that part of the game was a lot more sound. Um, this yeah. is definitely for me one of those two things are true at the same time. Like I, I agree with Dave that like it was definitely more competent, right? Um, so big plays, right? So from the passing game, Richmond had one, which was you know if you define it as a gain of fifteen yards or more, they had the one seventeen yard gain um, in the second quarter. And their and quarterback made a couple like some of their better pass plays were like he got out of pressure and like found the guy like you right. know on third and seven or whatever. Right. Something on the run, on the running game side, Richmond had five gains of 10 or or more. Um, so the idea that Virginia only gave up like quote unquote six big plays. I mean, dude, if you had looked at those numbers from last year, you would be, yeah, sick. that's low for any defense. Even yeah. in like games where you play pretty well, you give up like 10. Yeah. Usually. But, but to Ferber's point, and again, two things can be true at the same time. I, I, I kind of agree. Like, I don't know how competent they are. I don't know how efficient. I thought the game plan to keep everything in front of them worked well. Um, will that, you know, what are they going to do this week when they're playing a more physical opponent? And yeah, and you know, if they play that. that style of football against Illinois, they're going to run for 200 yards. Like, yeah, if you play sure. off like that, they're just going to run all over you. Yeah, I mean, um, 200 yards. You give it up, you know. I'd yeah. rather give up the rushing yards. Um, you know, complimentary football and all. I'm sure if Illinois watches the first half of their game, their running game, they're, you know, they're running. Yeah, I mean, game they might run for 200 like, yards my. anyway, even if you try to stop the run. Right. But yeah, I mean, they ran the ball pretty good last year. You know, it's just. Um, they got behind in that game and that kind of threw them off. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. All right. Let's um, let's let's talk about this Illinois game where coincidentally, Brendan Armstrong needs 433 yards to break UVA's career passing record um, against Illinois last year at 405 yards, five scores. Um, I don't think anybody really expects that. Um, but he also he's he's four TDs away from becoming UVA's all-time leader in career touchdown passes uh, as well. Um, 
Also, so it would be we... nice to see these things on the big screen. Like, he broke that all-purpose record, and I don't think they, like, announced it. Yeah, they didn't make a big deal of it. Yeah, I had yeah. somebody text me from the stadium and was like, hey, did, where, where's, where is he with the record? Dave told me about it because he saw it on his phone, but I was like, I didn't know. Like, <laughs> I had no idea he was even close. Like, to not on his it. phone. Yeah. Um, they could have said it, and I just didn't hear but it. But, like, those from... records you just mentioned are more likely to be broken against ODU, right? Correct. So, like, probably so. Yeah, probably yeah, so. Yeah, so, like, announce those things, you know? Um, one other one other number before we we dive into Illinois, um, UVA had forty two rushing attempts was the most that they've had um, since twenty twenty. Um, I'm flabbergasted that they had that many in twenty twenty. That was they were running the ball more in twenty twenty because they had like the Keaton stuff. Oh, that's um, fair. Yeah, and Brennan that's was fair. running a lot more than he did. What game that was that? Boston College. I was gonna say probably BC because oh, yeah, I think I think KT had like fifteen twenty carries in that game. Yeah, or something. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so Illinois it comes to town. They go to Illinois. Um, hopefully, not dressed with the helmet in the plane. Hopefully, not uh, landing, stuck on landing, plane landing, as landing the game. at game time. <laughs> landing at game time, literally on top of the stadium. Sorry, we 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 got we got really in the weeds on an edit, guys. We're sorry. Um, all right, this is a very different matchup for UVA than it was a year ago. Um, for folks who haven't read, um, cheers, fears, beers, Dave. Uh, how are you feeling about this one on Saturday? Well, yeah, I guess on the mute yeah, button, I'll tell you all about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I got some, I'm encouraged. I'm concerned. Yeah. That's very said. Look, um, I've watched a little bit of what Illinois has done this year. Um, they look very similar to what I saw last year, just a little more advanced in the system with a better quarterback, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Um, yep. So, I mean, they're not world beaters by any means, but what they, their bread and butter is what Virginia hasn't been able to defend well in, in the last, you know, few years, um, you know, just kind of punching them in the mouth. And what Virginia did last year at home was obviously kind of reduce the, uh, the impact of a run game by, by scoring a lot, you know, and putting the game where, Hey, if you want to take eight minutes to score a touchdown, go ahead where we'll score again real quick. Um, so like you know, it's a it's a tough. It's one of the two games I picked Virginia to lose in the in the preseason, just because I figured um, they have to lose some, <laughs> at least two. But you know, it, it makes sense. It's going to be a very tough game um, coming off Richmond. Uh, you know, kind of the the high of getting through fall camp, first time on the road for a new coaching staff. You know, they're going to be in a different environment. We we saw we've talked about little glitches we had. Um, I, mean, I think it's kind of, yeah. I hope to see him cleaned up, but one would expect something will will happen again. Um, and in a game with two closely matched teams, at least on paper, um, this far in the season, you know, you probably lean a little bit more towards the home team. But yeah, you know, who knows? At the second round to the end, I might change my mind. But look, I mean, I think it's a good test. It's especially with um, look. It really doesn't matter what Virginia does out of conference. Um, you know, you want to be Richmond and ODU, obviously, and hopefully Coastal. But you know, where Virginia's going is going to be more dictated by their ACC record. So this game, to me, helps them a lot as they prepare to go to Syracuse in a few weeks. Um, not because both teams are orange and blue, but you know, very similar. You're going to be focused on a running back when you get to Syracuse. You've got one here, you know, Chase Brown versus Tucker. Um, Kind of similar quarterbacks, actually one from Syracuse you'll be facing. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I think it's a, a, a good test to kind of hopefully get Virginia more prepared for that Syracuse game um, than they would have been without this game on the schedule. What about you, Ferber? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, in some ways, I would compare Illinois this year to like what UVA was in Broncos second year, where it's like a lot of the same pieces, but they're just more mature. They've sort of figured out what works. Um, they're just further along. And I think, honestly, I don't know if UVA was 28 points better than Illinois last year, which which is what the scoreboard said, but UVA caught them early in the season. Um and at like they, 10 a.m local time I was and they, it was, it yeah, was like in the they, morning <laughs> and they jumped on them and that kind of negated the one thing illinois could do well which is like run the ball they're down 14 nothing in like five minutes so that recipe would probably work again here <laughs> for uva um but yeah i think like they're they have like a they definitely have like something that they do you know they're they have an identity and um the one thing i would say that maybe is a positive for uva is the teams that they did well against on defense last year, the teams that didn't have a lot of athletes in space, um, regardless of how they played. So like North Carolina gashed them on the ground. North Carolina has a lot of good dudes on their team. Duke ran the ball well for some of the games last year, but Duke doesn't have the athletes. So Duke couldn't run the ball and score points. Um, Illinois had the same kind of issues and, and they didn't score a lot of points. So it'll be interesting to see how that translates, but Dave's right. They do have a better quarterback. Um, they got a lot of pressure with their front against uh, Indiana or against, yeah, against Indiana. So I think that's kind of a concern for me. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is kind of a styles game where it's like, if you told me the final score, I probably would feel one, like I might have a different winner, you know, if it's 35, 28, I might feel better about UVA. If it's 24, 20, I probably feel better about Illinois, um, but yeah, I mean, UVA has a lot of things they have to get over here with the new schemes. And Dave mentioned first road game, all that stuff. Illinois also played twice already, um, which I guess would be an advantage. They look good against the Wyoming team that really couldn't throw the ball at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my biggest issue with this game is that I just don't know enough about where UVA is as a team and um, to make like a reasonable prediction. Last year, I felt really good about UVA winning because I was like, I feel like I know that they can score points. They're at home. Illinois is kind of like a complete rebuild and they just don't have the pieces yet. And, and then Illinois went out and proved at the end of last season that they were kind of making progress against some good teams th that they beat. So um, I feel less confident about it, but a lot of that has to do with where UVA is because I feel like UVA has more talent on their roster and more explosiveness. Like they have a, an ability, like a higher ceiling than Illinois, but I don't know if they're ready to reach it quite yet in the second game of the season. It's fair. I, I kind of think that um, you, you mentioned kind of a styles game. And to me, you know, I, I wonder if, and this kind of goes back to our whole conversation about the end of the first half. I feel like some of these guys, I, I don't know if it's necessarily where they've been or, you know, what the experience was like, you know, especially last year. But I wonder if like, cause you know, sometimes Tony Bennett will have a team that, that like, isn't necessarily a group that gets its energy from its defense, right? That 2019 team was a little bit like that, right? That they were, they got their energy and their, they, they gained momentum when they were really pushing the agenda. Um, maybe not necessarily like in terms of tempo, but in terms of like the offensive end. Right. And I wonder if watching these guys and, it, you know, kind of us talking about that the end of the first half last week, that one of the things that this team did and, and that Illinois game is a perfect example is, is that like, 
dude, they want to get out there and just go, right? They want to put points on the board. They want to be aggressive. They want to take shots. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the only way to win. I forget which one you guys mentioned it earlier, but like, you know, there were times last year where they just could not switch gears and do the other thing they needed to do. And they lost games because of it. Right. Um, but I, I feel like it's good to be able to run the ball, but it's also good that, to like get your guys going. And I think one of the things that coming out of the first week, I don't think I really got the sense that, it, that, the, that, the, that the offense was really kind of cooking, right? There were certainly some moments where you sort of, you got some little glimpses here and there, but it did not feel like the thing was white hot. And that would probably be a good thing to do regardless of where you play, but especially your first row game against a more physical team. Your Ferber's probably right, like, you know, maybe they weren't 28 points better than them last year or whatever. But on that day, they were because in a way they sort of took their their will a little bit right out of the gate. And I'm not saying they have to come out there and just be, you know, up 28 nothing, you know, by the three minute mark of the first quarter or whatever. But I do think that for this group, maybe it is actually really beneficial to them and it fits their personality and sort of who they are. Um, if they can be aggressive offensively. I'm curious to see what it means for the defense in general, right? I'm curious to see this defense against a really physical opponent. I'm curious to see this defense against a team that wants to do the kind of things that Illinois wants to do. Um, And certainly I'm I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of adjustments Virginia comes to this game with. Um, It certainly felt like to me that, you know, the idea last week was keep everything in front of you. Well, you can't really do that this week, right? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to put your face in the fan, and you're really gonna have to um, you're gonna have to defend at a high level. Like you're gonna have to win the line of scrimmage a lot, right? Um, you're gonna have to tackle extremely well, um, which you know. While I think all three of us think they've taken a step in the right direction, you know, in game one, like that was simply just not um, a strength of this team last year. It hasn't been a strength of this team in a while. Um, so I do think that the, the, the piece about you know them looking more competent, you can see some some signs of improvement, even if necessarily the production of that improvement, right? The the fruit of that labor is not necessarily um, there yet. But you know what? Just because you plant a tree doesn't mean the fruit happens immediately, right? Um, I think this is a game though where it's going to happen, right? You're going to have to do it consistently. Um, uh, do you guys want to go straight to... To picks, or how, sure. do you have do you have other stuff you want to say about this game, Dave? Um, not a lot. I mean, um, I'm kind of doing the picks if you want. Okay, would say like Dave said. Uh, not I don't I don't necessarily think it doesn't matter or anything. Like I mean, I don't think that's what Dave was saying at all. But, yeah, right. But I do think like if they lose or if they don't look like crisp, that doesn't mean like they're gonna be bad. I think. It, I mean, I think teams get better right and you know you you think about like broncos teams that won a fair number of games like you know losing to illinois or indiana specifically like twice back to back in the, like the second game of the season you know they shrug, they, they kind of shrugged those losses off and got better and neither of those indiana teams are very good so you know it, it does happen um it'll be interesting to see you know what what happens on saturday and um you know, like how they kind of come out on offense and do their thing. But I don't think it necessarily like means that they can't, if they lose to Illinois, it doesn't mean they can't beat Louisville or can't beat Syracuse or whatever. Yeah, exactly. There's like two teams in the country who are not going to lose a game this year. That's it. <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. rest of them. So, all right. In the preseason, Dave, you picked Virginia to lose this thing. 
uh, 24-20. <laughs> the line was four. <laughs> when that yeah, line Dave's came out, pretty smart on that. Pick. I was I was going to say when the line came out, I was like, oh, okay, Dave, have at it. Uh, what you still feel that way now? <laughs> the fan in me just hates picking Virginia to lose a game ever, um, especially live. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to stay there, um, but I have two reservations with not make not making the change other than my fandom. Um, you saw it some on Saturday versus Richmond. Like when Brennan Armstrong wants to make something happen, he makes something happen. So if the game's close, do I really want to bet against, you know, number five uh, to make a play, especially, you know, what he can do with his legs with, with a run game. That's a threat now. Like now when he goes to play action to a running back, he might actually get a linebacker to bite up. Um, so for, for all those reasons, like, you know, part of me wants to switch it. Um, and then, you know, thinking about if, if I was a coordinator, if I was Rudd coming into this game, I mean, my first priority is going to be to stop the run. I'm going to make DeVito pass, you know, beat me through the air. Um, and, you know, if we look at the way they played against Richmond, you know, that, that four, two, five, I thought the defensive line did a decent job. Um, there's pieces there with Ahern back for the, you know, the whole game and Nick Jackson, my guess is one of the safeties comes into a box or James Jackson kind of takes the role of Bratton, um, you know, to kind of give him three bigger guys on the field, um, to put seven in the box against Illinois and dare him to take their yards through the air. Um, and if Virginia can do that and stop the run game, I like Virginia's chances a little bit more. Um, but all that said, just because it's on the road, um, you know, a new, a new staff, a new offensive line, you know, a new defensive scheme. I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. I assume it'll be decent. Um, yeah, I was like, I have be... no idea how many people are going to be at that game. I, I really yeah. don't know. I mean, I don't expect it to be like a raucous. It's, we're, they're not going to Baton Rouge on a Saturday um, if there's anyone there now. But the uh... Wow. Well, nobody's showing up on time, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and the, the wow. reporters won't be there unless he wins. Um, I'll but, be there in a few weeks. Yeah, I'll, st- I'll stick to 2420 um, Illinois because I – I don't have Virginia lose another game for a long time. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, part of me expects Virginia number five to pull it out late. I, I like the the amount of hedging that Dave just did. Oh, that was hedge, some le- hedge king. Yeah, that was some legendary hedging. Hedge king. I mean, he's like, I, but, I, you know, I pick him to lose, but I wouldn't be surprised if number five pulled it out late. All right, Ferber, in the uh, preseason, you had Virginia winning this thing by four, 28-24. How you feeling now? Yeah, I think everything Dave said is is kind of how I feel. Um, fully prepared to switch picks, but I'm going to keep it um, just because it's, you know, week two of the season, let's roll the dice. Um, I watched a lot of the Illinois game, or the second half of it at least, against Indiana. They did some good things. They did some things where I was like, this team just doesn't look like they have a ton of talent. Um but I mean, like I think that they'll they're a well coached team. They have a, a strategy. But talking about stopping the run, I think UVA is probably gonna get gashed on the ground a little bit, even if they try to stop the run, just because I think Illinois is gonna be able to run on like almost everybody they play. Um I think that the key is gonna be like surviving long drives. And I, it's kind of a cliche, but like bend but don't break. Um let them take their yards, try not to get too tired. You know, hope you don't like give up a touchdown. Keep them to three. Win the passing downs when you have to. Get after the quarterback when you have to. Um, on offense, I mean, we talk a lot about balance. I think this is a throw the ball game. 
I think this is a score, a bunch of points. And I think the best way for them to do that is to come out throwing, um, get Wicks involved, get Davis involved, get Thompson involved, get Kemp involved, move the ball, make Illinois kind of react to that. Obviously you want to mix in the run um, as much as possible, but I think this is going to be a more physical game up front. I think it's going to be, um, a game where you're going to want to, you know, get Brennan kind of going and, and get him going early. And I think that's what they need to do to win it. Um, I feel the same way Dave does. I feel like this definitely could be an Illinois win. Um, the thing that's kind of leaning me back towards UVA is I just think they have more talent, um, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. And Illinois is kind of a team designed to play a low scoring close game. And, I think UVA, if everything goes right and they can block, which is still kind of a concern, I think they can they can score enough points to where Illinois is going to have trouble kind of keeping up unless UVA's defense is just bad. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of where I'm landing with this. I think like guys like Wicks and Thompson, you know, if you get a good game from some of those guys, get some touchdowns, um, you can survive some of the, the bleeding on the ground. So I'm going to stick with my score. Confidence is pretty low in it, um, but that's kind of where I landed. Uh, going into this all right in the preseason i had virginia winning this thing 27 20 i'm I'm not gonna change my pick and and here's why but actually before i get to the why i'm gonna talk about the one unknown and i'm not saying that necessarily i'm convinced that this is a thing but it makes sense to me if this is a thing which is we saw very sort of vanilla game plans in game one in week one i i think this is a a potential place for us to learn a lot. Ferber was talking earlier about, you know, we'll learn a lot about this team this week. I, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about them specifically because we should learn a lot about the staff in this game, right? You, you probably knew in week one, you didn't have to do a whole lot exotic. You didn't have to really like um, break the bank, so to speak, to, to do what you needed to do to win that game, right? This one, you probably thought to yourself, regardless of what happened last year to Ferber's point about, you know, a team that looks more mature and, you know, guys that seem like they're, you know, th- like for a team that was trending in the right direction um, there after that game. Right. Um, also a team that's played twice. There's a lot of film out there on them. And I feel like this is a game where you want to see your coaching staff go out and figure out ways to make the most hay of the mismatches that present themselves. Right. You know, we were talking earlier, I was, you know, about the idea of starting fast or at least, you know, getting these guys in in, in some sort of um, attack mentality. Uh, Ferber's talking about, you know, get Brennan going, get him going early, um, pat, you know, move the ball around. Um, I, I think if I, if I'm right, and, and my, my sneaky suspicion here is, is that part of at least what we saw last week is driven because not necessarily they like circled this game or anything, but I think that they have been putting a lot of time and it makes sense to me that they would put a lot into this prep, right? If you think about the season and the way things stack up in these first few games, you've got UR and then Illinois, and then you've got ODU and you've got Syracuse. They're almost like little couplets, right? Little groups that, you know, two, two and two that you sort of can put together. And I'm not saying that like, all they did during the whole time to prep for Richmond was prep for Illinois. But I think from a, from the, the time that the coaching staff has been spending, I, I, it makes sense to me if they've been really sort of eyeing this game and trying to figure out ways to make the most of the advantage. I think the defense has to be, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be spectacular, but it just needs to be consistent. 
Um, the idea that like you're just going to keep the ball in front of you, well, that piece is not going to work as well. Guys are going to have to tackle at a high level. Um, but I also think they got to put the offense in a good spot because I think the offense is they're going to have. This is going to be a game Virginia wants to win. Sort of, you know, like Ferber was saying, you know, putting up the points and continuing to stack them up. Um, I think aggression is going to be important on both sides of the ball. I feel like Virginia cannot be the team that is passive in this game um, because that, that to me, you, you play right into Illinois' hand as a, you know, a kind of a pressure, uh, a, you know, kind of a, a physical team that wants to put that pressure on you that way, right? They want to they wanna control the line of scrimmage and, and make you, um, you know, make you uneasy about the whole deal. So I'm going to stick with my pick. I, I feel like what, what I saw, I, what I saw last week, I saw enough to make me think that not only does Virginia have the talent to win the game, but I think that, you know, I think this is a game that they've sort of been preparing for. I think the offensive line, to Ferber's point about sort of, you know, the the, the blocking, I mean, I think it's very realistic we see Leach and Josie up there. Um, would not be surprised to see them both start. Um, I thought it was a good plan for the staff to to stick with largely the guys that they played and not necessarily rotate as much. But I also think that, you know, you want it to, you, you know you want Leach back. And if he's, and if he's available, I think you play him. I think Josie did enough in that first game to at least earn a few more snaps, even if they're um, not necessarily like long-term. But I don't know. 27-20 feels, still feels about it right to me. So there you go. Um, did not mention it earlier, but I did want to, um, before we wrap up, did want to mention um, who's for St. Jude. We are doing um, this fundraiser through the month of September. You can check the um, the links. Um, we're essentially we're raising helping to raise money for um, childhood cancer research through St. Jude's uh, because September is obviously Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So uh, if you feel so inclined, please um, join up, donate, and we uh, we very much appreciate that support. Um, unless you guys have anything else for the good, good of the order, I'll wrap it up. All right, good. See you next week. <laughs> what if we just ended it right there? If you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that get your, you get your programs. Uh, if you're somebody who's found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. Let's see. Right now, I've got we got Dave's second cheer fears and beers, which I think he's doing an excellent job with. Um, we got a 3-2-1 and the game week press conference stuff um, from uh, Tuesday. PFF grades are in for the first week. Got the take two up. Got video of Rodinsky and, and, and Dez talking about the Richmond win. And then Ferber had a recruiting roundup last Friday. So give that a look as well. I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise, franchise for you. I also want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber. Congratulations gracious like your time as always. I very much appreciate all they do. So for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.